So while I'm really excited to, uh, to get into this message today, I um, had a, a picture prophetically last week of, um, and I don't know if you've seen any documentaries about like any, I don't know, Discovery Channel things when they will do like a behind the scenes at either, you know, Paris Island with the Marines or Fort Benning with the Army, and they've got a bunch of like privates, and uh, they'll take them out on the obstacle course, and they'll, they'll put them all together, and they'll usually have like a, a you know, a shot or, you know, a montage of, of the obstacle course, like their first couple of days when they're terrible, and they don't work together, and they can't even complete the obstacle course, and they're all getting yelled at and screamed at. And then fast forward, you know, three months, like on their final exam. And it's a beautiful thing because they have this like 12 or 14 foot tall, perfectly smooth wall. And their little, you know, the little platoon has to get over it. And there's no way, you know, for one person to clear it by themselves. So um, in the beginning stages, they have a hard time, you know, trying to you know, launch guys up and all that. But by the end, they work as this like amazing, beautiful unit. And they all, you know, like certain guys go down and make the base and other guys put them up on the shoulders. And then they send the little guy up and then he goes and pulls the next guy up and he pulls the next guy up. And then by the end, there's just the one guy that's got the ups and uh, he gets a running start, puts both hands up. They grab his wrist and they just pull them up and they go up to the next level. I feel like that's what God's doing at our church right now, that there's this excitement and this thing that's like, we're going up to greater things that God has for us, but we're not gonna do it alone. We're gonna do it together. We're gonna be pushing each other up and pulling each other up. It's like this kind of exciting time. It's like, there's gonna be no man left behind, but like, we're, the key is we do it together. And the, which, when I had this thought in my mind and this picture in my mind, um, I, I, there's all these verses from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament about the, the, the church, the body of Christ, being like a, a military unit. But you also have to understand, if you don't realize, Paul spent a lot of time in jail. Like, he spent a lot of time watching Roman military operations, you know, through the jail cell. Uh, he wrote most of the Bible while he was looking at Roman soldiers do what they do. And he often would connect the church to an army because an army is this, you know, huge, you know, group of people. They have a big mission. They, they live together. They work together. They play together. They serve together. And sometimes they have to fight together. And um, so there's that picture. But then the, the funny thing is, I guess as Paul was getting older, I mean, if you don't know the story, Paul never married. He never had children or grandchildren. But just through getting older, he got like softer in his old age in some ways. Because he would also give the analogy of like a family. That yeah, we're, we're a military unit, but we're also like a family. You know, God is our father and we are his children and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's these two extremes, you know, one like an army and one like a family where we all have chores to do. We all have to serve. We all have to work together. And sometimes we're all gonna band our shoulders together and fight together. And it, but the point is we always are gonna do it together. That, 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 that we is always going to be greater than me, either illustration you use. And of course, you know, even saying the body of Christ, that's often referred to in scripture. It's, it's one connected thing, but all these little parts and pieces that do different things, but yet we are dependent on one another. You, you cut a pinky off and you throw it in the dirt, it's just going to die. But that's the way too many people live their Christian life. They're, they're a part of the body, but they cut themselves off and remove themselves from the body. They're not connected to the heart. They're not connected to the vision. They're not connected to the mission. They're not connected to one another, so therefore we die. And, and, and like a military unit, if we're going to get up to an impossible level, we're going to have to do it together. We're going to have to help one another. We're going to have to lift each other up and encourage each other. Paul was talking to the church in Rome. I'm going to go back to the military analogy. Paul's talking to the church in Rome, and he says this. We're going to break this verse down. We're going to camp out here for a few minutes. Romans chapter 12. He says, uncommon church, 
when you read this in 2,000 years, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, but hold fast to what is good. Listen to the family analogy. Love one another with brotherly affection. But I love this. Outdo one another by showing honor. Don't be slothful in your zeal, but be fervent in the spirit. And how does he mean? Serve the Lord. I love this, because we need this right now. Talking about our students going back to school and, and teachers in the classroom, that you guys would be dealers of hope. He said, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. All right, let's, let's kind of circle back to the first verse and break that down. Let your love be genuine. Don't fake it till you make it. Just like really love people and love people well. Last week, my father-in-law, Lars, he read to you from 1 John 4, 20, where it says, you can't love God and hate people. That if you're gonna love God, you're gonna love his people. People are created, and that's not just God's people, that's all the people, everybody is created in the image of God. So he's saying love people sincerely and really love people well. Number two, abhor what is evil. I had to look up the word abhor to make sure it was what I thought it meant. And it's exactly what I thought it meant. Hate what is evil. Be disgusted by what is evil. Like when you're at the, the, the summer fair or the, you, know, you, you have to go into the porta potty in August and you open the door. That's the way we treat what is evil. But so many times, Christians are like, what's the world doing right now? Mmm, it's 105 out here. Mmm, I just want to look. I just want to look. Wow. <laughs> He's so gross. No, it's gross to be curious about evil, to allow it into your home, into your heart, and onto your phone. He's saying you have to abhor what is evil. So some people are like, why does Pastor Brad make such a big deal about sexual sin and sleeping with people we're not married to and getting drunk and getting high and looking at pornography and getting angry and homosexuality and witchcraft? And why does Brad make such a big deal about it? Because this verse right here, abhor what is evil, hate what is evil, be disgusted by what, run from what is evil. Don't try to get as close to it as possible. Go the opposite direction, number three. Hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to the spirit of God. Hold fast to church. Hold fast to holiness. Hold fast to joy and, and the power of God and compassion and humility and grace and, and, and worship and his presence and the miracles and signs and wonders. Hold fast to what is good. Number four, and this is kind of where we're gonna talk for the next few minutes. Love each other like a family. Love each other like brothers and sisters. Don't, here's the funny thing about a family. You don't get to pick and choose your family. Your family just is your family. And sometimes your family be a little dysfunctional. Can I get an amen? amen. Wow, that was a big amen from this section. <laughs> Y'all need to go through freedom track. <laughs> but your family is your family. You don't get to pick them. They just a part of your family. So all your only job is to do is to love them, accept them, encourage them, build them up. Fight for them, serve them. Warts and all, we are a family. And you don't get to pick and choose your family. So our job then is to move on to number five, honor and serve each other well. And I like the way that, that Paul put it here. He's like, no, honoring and serving each other is a full contact sport. 
Like, I want you to be in competition in how well you serve each other, how well you honor each other. How, I want you to go the extra mile in how you serve brothers and sisters in, in Christ. Number six, don't be lazy. You ever have a family member that doesn't do their chores? I'm not looking around at any of my kids. I only have one left that lives here. But I'm not looking at nobody. Go the extra mile in doing the dishes for Jesus. Help do the laundry, take the trash out, vacuum the floors. Be zealous in how we serve one another. Be fervent in the spirit and serve each other well. Why? Saved people serve people. Oh, y'all are gonna quote, what is it? Saved people. Saved people serve people, and we are a part of the family of God, and we have chores to do. We have diapers to change. We have parking to park. We have worship songs to sing. We have cameras to operate. Thank you, camera operators. We, we, we have to serve one another and do it well. We've got ushers to flashlight people. Somebody asked me, why is it so dark in here? The lights are on full before worship starts. Come to church on time, and you can find a seat without a flashlight. <laughs> You're not late for work. You're not late for school. Why would you be late to worship Jesus? I'm on fire today. <laughs> this is what happens. Like my staff is nervous right now because my flight, I had three flights uh, canceled last night. Thank you, American Airlines. I love you. Frontier Airlines got me home at 2 a.m., but it's, I'm not bitter because I'm here. But I, I, I do get a little fired up when I don't have a lot of sleep. Number six. Oh, uh, we were in number six. Don't be a lazy family member. Number seven. Verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. What he's saying is it's not always gonna be easy, but the family that prays together stays together. So be patient with one another, pray for one another, pray like it's your family and not just your church family. Oh, snap, did you see what I said? Yeah. Like, oh, they've got COVID, they've got cancer, they got laid off, that's, mm, Lord bless them. All right, what are we having for dinner? No, that's your family. That's your brother and your sister in Christ, in Uncommon. Really pray for them. Help them find a job. Bring them medicine, bring them a lasagna, bring them whatever they need, because that's your family. The whole, do you get the point of this? We're supposed to do this together. We're not supposed to do this alone. Verse eight, uh, number eight, verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bottom line, be generous. Give in the offering. Like how do you, this building has a $1.9 million loan against it. I hate that. You wanna know why? Because we're paying interest to a bank. I wanna put that money into the kingdom and into world missions and into reaching souls. I wanna get this building paid off. I'm, I'm glad we have it. But the building, you know what the building stands for? This is where we worship God. And that's about it. Because the building is not the church, we are the church. This church is made up of living stones. This building is sheetrock and steel and cockroaches. That's the only thing holding it all together. It's the water bugs, Ira, I know, I know. But they, they're huge and they're everywhere. Some of you are like, I wish our church would, if I gave a little more in the offering, would they spray? We spray all the time. The foundation is made of the lives of millions of cockroaches. Just hardened into the concrete. I gotta look. Be generous. Join the welcome team. Host a you group in your home. Be hospitable. Why? Why, Apostle Paul? Why, Pastor Brad? Why do we need one another? Because we're a family. Because we're a family. 
We need one another. We need to serve the Lord and serve one another with zeal. We need to give generously. We need to pray for one another like it is our own family because it is. And I love the illustration from Ecclesiastes that you know, they would have to make their own ropes. If you need a rope now to you know, hoist something up in your garage, you go to Home Depot. At, nobody goes to Home Depot. You go to Amazon and it's there by 4 p.m. Thank you, Amazon. I was with a pastor friend of mine this week. They live in um, Southwest Kansas. And he's like, hey, hey, honey, because she was heading out to the store. Can you get some AA batteries? And the door, she, she didn't hear him. And I go, just order some on Amazon. And he's like, if I order them on Amazon, they will be here by next Tuesday. I said, really? I'm spoiled rotten. I need AA batteries. I'm just going to push a button. And the guy comes and drops them off on my front door. I don't know why I said that. Oh, you needed to buy a rope. I should get more sleep. Thank you, American Airlines. Ecclesiastes, chapter four. A person in uncommon church standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Two people, hey, that's pretty good. Y'all can stand back to back and fight. But three, mm-mm, three people, that's way better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. What about a, a, a 10 braided cord or a 20 braided cord? That's not, that's not gonna break. See, here's the thing. I, as the longer I pastor, the more I see this. People, they come to the church and they try to just watch the church, but they don't engage. They just want to be a spectator in the stands, but not on the field playing on the game. And they just watch. They just, they don't plug in. They don't go through our growth track. They don't serve on a team. They don't tie. They don't, they're not generous. They don't give. They don't come and pray. They don't come on Wednesday night and pray. And they just, they just want to like, have it your way but not be a part of the family. They just want to watch the military videos on YouTube, but not join the military. You know what I'm saying? And they get mad. They go to other churches where they can just be anonymous. Oh, I, I, that makes, I, oh, pastor, we just wanted to be a part of a church where we could be anonymous. Have you read your Bible? I don't see anywhere in scripture where the body of Christ gets to be anonymous. We're an army, we're a family, we're a triple braided cord. We're, our lives are woven into one another. And what happens is these people, they fade away because they don't like when I step on their toes. I don't mind if people go to a different church and they just watch church because they'll go to heaven, you know, barely. But the point is, <laughs> what I hate is when people don't go nowhere. They just leave church. They get twisted, they get mad. Well, he just wanted me to serve as an usher. Yeah. Well, they just wanted me to give to the Lord. Yeah. Well, he just wanted me to stop sleeping around. Yeah. Well, he just wanted me. Yeah. Yeah. And then they end up just heart-hardened, running from God, living in sin. And then they get attacked. They get picked off by a sniper because they're out there by themselves, no protection. But it seems like as the momentum in our church is picking up and there's more of God's presence and there's more of God's power and we've seen more miracles in recent weeks and months and healings, we're seeing more people come to faith, we're seeing more people that are far from God come returning to God. I'm happy for the hundreds, but I'm over here like, what about the thousands? Because there's literally about 300,000 people in the mid-cities that don't know the Lord yet. So yeah, the church is bigger than ever before, four or 500 people, praise the Lord. See, we have a long way to go because in the mid-cities alone, there's 300,000 people that don't know Jesus. So we have, a, we have a long race to run. This is a marathon, not a sprint. There's an old proverb that says, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. 
And I want our church to go far and reach many people for Jesus. This is, we're gonna unite around this vision. We're gonna unite around this win. We're gonna celebrate when people get saved. We're gonna celebrate when people screw in a light bulb for Jesus. We're gonna celebrate when people are baptized. How come nobody's been baptized the last two weeks? People are getting, if you, if you have given your heart to Jesus or recommitted your life to Jesus, your next step is the waters of baptism. But we're gonna celebrate you when you get right with God. We're gonna celebrate when people come out of the waters of baptism. We're gonna shout for the Lord, for what he's done in our hearts and in the hearts of other people. We're not gonna golf clap, well, bravo, Jesus, thank you for saving them from death. No, we're gonna shout. A shout of victory, we're gonna shout. Jesus gives a third analogy of the body. Well, I guess the body is a third analogy. Jesus gives a fourth analogy, and that is he calls us sheep. And he literally says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, my sheep know me. But I've already said it about the sniper reference. The sheep that is not buried in the middle of the flock gets attacked and eaten. And when I look at our, uh, next week we're gonna launch our fall semester of you groups. These are small groups that meet during the week. Sunday afternoon, Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday morning, you know, whatever, Friday night. These are little groups. It's like a little flock. And what happens is when you get buried in the little flock, it's a lot harder to get attacked and eaten because your, your other flock members in your group are gonna protect you. Yeah. Or think of like a, a military unit, a little SEAL Team 6, just a little small little platoon, just a couple of folks, but they're, they're encouraging each other, they're fighting for each other, they're, their iron is sharpening iron. That's why the Apostle Paul gives in Ephesians chapter six the analogy of putting on the full armor of God. He's like, this is, we're, we're in for battle, but we fight for one another. I love the concept that in a small group, like our you groups that are launching, that's a way that you get connected and you fight for one another and other people fight for you. We're gonna cheer each other on. We're gonna, we're gonna lift some people up to the next level and then others are gonna reach down and pull people up. Other thing, and thing that's been woven into all of this is how we serve one another. The writer of Hebrews said this, Let's think up ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's not neglect meeting together like some people do. Shots fired at those that don't go to you group. But encourage one another, especially now, because the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. So what he's saying is, y'all need to get involved in a you group this semester. Because that's how we reach more people. We've, we've only got like 17 or 18 groups this semester. I'd like to have 30 groups in the spring semester. So I need a lot of you to go through group in the fall and then lead a group in the spring. The other thing he's talking about is serving. <laughs> Jesus said this. Jesus was way more savage than he gets credit for. The world today is like made Jesus like cupcakes and rainbow. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus said, yeah, not everybody that calls out to me, Lord, hey, Jesus, Go, I'll go to church. Not everybody's gonna enter the kingdom of heaven. It's only gonna be those that actually do the will of my Father that are gonna enter, which is a good time for me to interject a saved people, serve people. So if you wanna sit in our church and do nothing, you're gonna get uncomfortable. Because several times a year, I'm gonna go around stomping on your toe and being like, how come you're not serving? Why aren't you on a dream team? How come you're not on a you group? This is gonna be an uncomfortable place because when I look at the people that are plugged into the groups and plugged into serving on one of our teams, that's where the fun is. That's where the fulfillment is. 
Like, I don't see anybody up on our worship team or our prayer team or our kids team or the ushers team or the tech team. They're like, man, I hate serving with you and you're the worst. <laughs> the people that serve on teams, like, this is amazing. Like, when you get a hammer and you have a nail and you hit it, like, the hammer's like, yes, I was created for this. When you leave the hammer in a drawer, it's like, I want to do something. I'm going to do what I was created for. You were created to serve. God put gifting and talent in you to do something, not just lay there. First Peter put it this way. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gift. So use them well to do what? Serve on a dream team. Basically, like you have received this gift from God. Now turn around and help pour out to other people. Think about it this way. In Israel, and I used to say, if you want to come to Israel with us, Israel's closed their borders forever, basically. There's the Jordan River. It starts up in the north of Israel. Mount Hermon comes together, flows down through the center of Israel. But it's flowing down, 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 down to the lowest point on earth. And it just dead ends because there's nowhere for that water to go. So it created the Dead Sea. Why do they call it the Dead Sea? Because there's no outflow. It's just water flowing in, but not out. It's so it becomes stagnant and lifeless. That's why they call it the, you know, Dead Sea. The river of God that was poured into your life was not meant to stay on the inside of you. It was meant to flow into you and out of you. But too many Christians, especially in America, we're just like takers. Oh, I receive it. Yes, bless hallelujah. And we've become a dam, not a river. You know I want to make a joke. But I won't, because my wife will tell me about it later. No, don't, don't tempt me. I'll do it on men's night. I was going to make a damn joke, but I won't do it. I'm going to move on. We've got one of our young men just graduated with a journalism degree, plugged into our church. He said, hey, Pastor Brad, I think I'd like to practice writing a book, but be a ghostwriter. I'm like, hey, that'd be a great idea. So he's like, so next time you have like a thought, a sermon series, whatever, he's like, send me all your notes. I'm gonna listen to all the messages. And just, just for fun, this is an exercise. I'm gonna like ghostwrite a few chapters and see how it feels. But you know, I, I, he's been a part of our church for years. He said, but I wanna have your feel. I wanna have, you know, the junior high jokes that you tell. God poured his spirit into you and the gifts of his spirit so that you would be a river and not a dam. Because if you don't, you stank and you're dead. You should be looking for opportunities for people to give you a prophetic word and then for you to give a prophetic word to somebody else. You should be looking for opportunities to serve other people and you should ask for people to help serve you when you need it. You should be looking for opportunities to intercede on behalf of other people, and then when you need it, that you ask other people to pray for you. Because victory is sweeter when we all play and not just watch. Like, we all like to watch the Super Bowl in February, but only a few people get to stand on the field while the confetti falls. That's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Like, you don't forget standing on the field and your team's confetti's falling on you. You will forget a Super Bowl game. And HBO Films does not make a documentary about a couple of guys watching a game, they will want, make a documentary about a couple of guys playing a game. Because being on the field and 
working towards the win, that's where the real celebration and fun is. That's why you should join a dream team is because it's a lot more fun. And let's just be totally honest. Last week, today's kind of a light day. Last week, we were full. Parking lot was full. Kids ministry was almost full. But we're kind of at capacity because we don't have more people to help serve. We need more people to help park cars, more people to help lead our children in worship and ministry and change diapers. We need more people to lead worship. We need more people to run cameras. We need more people to have flashlights and usher ring. Like, we're almost at capacity. And we're only at four or 500. And I'm all like, that's great, but there's thousands of people dying and going to hell. Like, our neighbors. And you don't want anybody dying and going to hell because you wouldn't help out, right? So we need to serve. And well, they can just watch online. Listen, can I, hi online, hi camera two. I love you. If you're sick, if you're being wise to protect your health, that's great. If you're living in fear, it's time to come back to church because we are led and walk by faith and not fear. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you're sick, if you're being wise because your immune system is super compromised, you do the wise thing. If you're simply living in fear, we are not led by fear, we're led by faith. I want to look at one kind of last portion of scripture, and that was Jesus was returning back to heaven, and he said, y'all, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to fill you with my power and my presence and my goodness. So what I want you to do, I'm going to baptize you. I'm going to immerse you in my spirit, but I want you all to stay here and, and wait together. So he had everybody go into the, uh, Jerusalem and just wait so all of the believers in Jesus and his followers, now you have to remember, they had just killed Jesus. So like their faith was kind of a secret because they didn't want anybody else to get killed while they were waiting on the Holy Spirit and on his power. And in Acts chapter two, we see that they were in the upper room, as it's referred to, and they were worshiping and they were praying and they were all in what the Bible refers to as one accord. Acts chapter two and verse one, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came a from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me just say this. When the, the people of God are all together in one place, it is like a lightning rod for the Spirit of God, for the power of God to be poured out on the earth. When we gather in church, when we gather in you groups, when we gather in our little huddle before our dream team on a Sunday morning and we serve together, we should be a lightning rod for the power and presence of God. We should be praying, laying hands on one another and releasing prophetic words and releasing healing and releasing the kingdom of God over everybody that we come in contact with. Because when we come together, God shows up. It's like, a, it's like a, God, here we are. We're in this place and we're asking you to come and, and be right here in the midst of us. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18. When there's two or three of you guys gathered in my name, I'm gonna be there among you. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jesus is always with us. He literally said, I will never leave you or forsake you. But he's, he said, I am attracted to when the Jesus people get together in unity. I'm attracted when the family of God gets together. When the army of God gets together, I'm gonna be there. When we're serving one another, I'm gonna be there. When we're giving to one another, I'm gonna be there. When we're praying for one another, I'm gonna be there. When we're going deeper in our discipleship, I'm gonna be there. The Christian life was never meant to be uncomfortable. It was never meant to be comfortable. Jesus warned that we would one day be persecuted for our faith, that the world would hate us for our faith, and that we would even be beaten and killed for our faith. Jesus said, I want you to take this gospel message to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That's uncomfortable. 
Flying in economy class is uncomfortable. 2,000 years ago, getting on a boat with no navigation system or bathroom, what Jesus asked us to do is uncomfortable. So if you're living the Christian life and you're comfortable, you're doing it wrong. If church is comfortable, if, if you're not giving until it's uncomfortable, if you're not serving until it's uncomfortable, if, if nobody ever flips you off for being, hey, can I pray for you? Can I bless you? I'm not saying don't be obnoxious, don't be rude, but just being a light in the darkness. The Christian faith should be uncomfortable sometimes. Why would we want to go up to the next level? Why would the army, you know, privates all make a, a pyramid and pull each other up? Because there's more. There's always more of God's power in his presence. These lights are not what they normally are. They're like down, down, down. It's burning my eyeballs out. There you go. There's always more of God's power in his presence, more of his favor, more of his joy, more of his peace, more of everything. So we should always be pushing ourselves to go deeper and higher in the Lord. Like as a, as a believer, you never get to just graduate and be like, hey, I'm at the end of my Christian faith and I'm only 46. Like, good job. No, dude. You graduate when you die and go to heaven. There's always more. There's always, deep, there's always more souls to get saved. There's always more people that need to be discipled. There's always more people that are far from God to return from God. There's always more compassion that needs to be poured out on people whose marriages are in trouble or struggling with addiction or struggling with fear, struggling with anxiety, depression. Like there's always more people we can love on and minister to. Yes, you have to live in balance. Yes, your number one most important ministry is to the Lord. Your second most important ministry is to your spouse. More than anything, more than your job, more than anything, your most important ministry on earth is to your spouse and then to your kids and your grandkids. So somewhere around fourth or fifth is what we do in the kingdom. I know that sounds bananas, but when you get married, your spouse becomes your most important ministry on the earth. Your kids are next, grandkids, and then we pour ourselves out as a drink offering in service. Don't get things out of balance where you're like, I have to serve in every single service. I have to play every instrument. I have to ush every ush. I have to change every diaper. Okay, easy. Like, how about once or twice a month? And then you rest the rest of the time. I'm just, I'm over here, what about 20 something, 25 minutes. I'm begging you. It's better on the inside of the family. It's better to be connected to the flock. It's better to be shoulder to shoulder with other soldiers. Proverbs put it this way. A man who isolates himself seeks only his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. He's being polite a little bit. He's like, you stupid to not be connected to the body of Christ. And if you are one of those Christians that just been watching church or maybe visiting church to church and bouncing from church to church and waiting till one just is all about you, you're doing it wrong. And that's okay, we all do wrong all the time. But this is an opportunity where you repent and say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for always trying to take from the kingdom of God and not give back. I'm sorry, God, for not going through growth track, joining a dream team, getting plugged into a youth group, giving on tithes and offerings. I'm sorry for not praying. I'm sorry for not carrying the burden of reaching more people for Christ. Hop up on your feet. Here's, here's just one final point, one final thought. If you're not yet in the family of God, you belong in this family. 
You belong here. We're glad you're here. We got room at the table. We got one of those Ikea tables that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now we don't know how to put it together and there's extra parts left over laying in a, in a Ziploc bag, but we will just keep making the table bigger and bigger and bigger. You belong in this family. We're so glad you're here. You're in the right place at the right time. We're hungry for revival. You know what though? We're crying out, God, send revival. And God's like, yeah, get unified first. Over here. We're over here crying out, God send revival! And God's like, yeah, get unified first. Because the problem is, what happened if a thousand people got born again? We wouldn't have enough people to disciple them. We wouldn't have enough people to help them go strong in their faith. We wouldn't have enough people to fight for them. So we don't wait until the harvest. We get ready now. The harvest is plentiful. We need more workers for a bigger harvest. And here's the I keep saying it's my last point because I don't know what my last point is. When I stopped talking, that was my last point. Jesus wants unity in the church. The devil doesn't. The devil always wants the opposite of what Jesus wants. So if Jesus is like, dude, come on, get plugged into this body, pray, fast, give, serve, get into the family of God. It's the devil who's like, oh, nah, fam, you can just attend and watch online once in a while when it's convenient, when your kid doesn't have a game. Jesus is calling you to a deeper relationship. The devil wants you to be a loner. Well, nobody else knows what I'm going through. Are you kidding me? You think you're the only single mom? You think you're the only drug addict? You think you're the only person struggling with sexual identity? You think you're the only person who had to file for bankruptcy? You think you're the only felon? I just named half our church. You're in the right place. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that you created your body, the church, to be together, to be interconnected, to be woven into one another's life, to be a, a flock of sheep, to be an army, to be a family, brothers and sisters, fighting for one another, not fighting against each other have a goal and a mission to see more people added to the family. So Lord, if we have allowed our hearts to grow cold, if we have allowed ourselves to be distant from the things of God, we repent, forgive us, I'm sorry. We're not gonna do it again. We're gonna get plugged in. We're gonna serve, we're gonna give, we're gonna love, we're gonna pray. We're gonna be a part of this family and this body so we can see more people saved and discipled. So when we celebrate the win, we can celebrate it together. We're not just gonna watch on a screen what God's doing. We're gonna get on the field and fight and play, pray and play and work to see the kingdom of God advanced in the mid-cities. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not right with God, if there's sin in your life that has separated you from God, if you got in a car accident and you died, you would not know if you go to heaven or not. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day to repent of your sin. Ask God to forgive you, wash you, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and receive his love. Receive the gift of eternal life to go from sinner to saint, from orphan to child of the Most High God. Today is your day of salvation. I wanna lead you in a prayer. Now, it's your prayer. I can help you, but it's your prayer. You've gotta believe it in your heart and you've gotta pray it out loud. Why don't we all pray this prayer together, especially just put your hand on your heart for a couple of you, for some of you online, sorry online people, I was, I was messing with you a lot today. I love you online. 
Put your hand on your heart. If you believe it, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. Forgive me. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I die to my old life so I can live for you. I receive the gift of eternal life. Forgive me for being a loner and help me to be a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time or the first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up real high and say, Preacher, that was me. I prayed that prayer and I meant it. I see your hand in the back. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand up real high. And just say, I prayed that prayer. Come on, somebody. Good. Hey, what about you at home? Saw one person shoot their hand up right there in your living room, in your apartment, in your bedroom. Just shoot your hand up before God and just say, Hey, Lord, I meant that prayer. Here's what we want to do. If you prayed that prayer, if you're here in the room, or if you're watching online, I want you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. It's gonna send you an auto-response form. Please fill that form out. We've got our Jesus wall over here. We're gonna screw in a light bulb with your name on it. 